1: Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface, Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Groot and the wonderful former title winner at Arsenal, Perry Groves. Here's what's coming up on the show this week. It's a bit
2: unfortunate actually with the way the draw works out, they've got to play back-to-back away games. You you know, if if this was at the Emirates, as it will be obviously in a few weeks' time, you'd fancy Arsenal strongly. But I think if you offered Mikel Arteta a 1-0 win now, he'd probably take it. It was very Eric Cantona and Seagulls Seagulls Trawler. Yeah, absolutely. It was a a bit strange. He he didn't leave uh, the interview too many places to go after (laughs) that, in fairness. (laughs)
1: Hello, boys, you okay? Good, yourself? Yeah, I'm okay, not too bad. Back's uh, a little bit better. Uh, taking the drugs, done a bit of exercising. I'm all right. Carried Crook for another show. So, mine's okay. a little bit
2: painful carrying you two yesterday.
1: Oh, what, when he, did he
3: come in the studio? I don't know, did you
1: actually turn did, up the for show? Presents, no? did. did you grace for your presence, no? Did you? Yeah. Oh, right. thanks Disappeared halfway through. Actually, Crook did a show with us on Sunday in which he, uh, he, he couldn't work out why he was in the studio for so long. He didn't realize that he had to be there for the whole thing and uh, actually ordered Someone to go and get him some food at one point, which was a bit deaverish, I thought.
3: First time I've ever seen someone have roast dinner whilst we like, on that was
1: it. out of order, wasn't it, really? Uh, and miss a whole section in order to consume it, which yeah. is quite amazing. He's really professional. Um, but talking of professional, Arsenal pretty professional to come back, weren't they? Uh, I suppose that's your highlight of the week. Is it, we'll talk about it in detail in just a moment, but is that your sort of standout moment?
3: Um, considering my WhatsApp on our groups was uh, quite quiet and I was waiting for the deluge of like, abusive text messages and WhatsApp messages, and it was very silent. And then when it got to 2-2, then I was yeah, quite so tempted to like send one out and thought, no, just calm down.
1: Yeah. What about you? What was your highlight of the weekend? Uh,
2: you found that Manchester United escaped from Bramall Lane with yeah, three points? Yeah, probably the, the fact they scraped to win, but obviously I was at Stamford Bridge, Really, really enjoyed the game. I thought Chelsea... Played just about as well as they have for a long time for 75 minutes, and actually, Arsenal, I think, were quite fortunate to make a point in the end.
1: Uh, some great performances over the course of the weekend. Jacob Murphy at Newcastle's coming for a lot of uh, praise. Luton Town's come back against Nottingham Forest, also been highlighted. Craig Pawson's performance in the Merseyside derby. Liverpool fans very happy with that, <laughs> 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 and a lot more besides to discuss as we unpick the Premier League weekend. It's red against blue in a city where the rivalry is always true. He's in the Everton half, leaves it for Salah, 2-0. Liverpool's great start to the season is going to continue. Oh, That a is goal. spectacular
2: from Brian and Burma. It's Manchester City 2, Brighton 0, and it's Erling Haaland. Bournemouth 1, Wolves 2, the assist goes down to the Bournemouth defence, in particular their goalkeeper. I have no idea what he was doing. It's Forest 2,
0: Luton 2, and from 2 down, Luton have got themselves level. Brentford 3, Burnley 0. We've had another absolute screamer, Adrian. Saman got us. Is it Goal for 4-0. Oh, fantastic. Counter-attacking goal in the blink of an eye.
2: Talk about a comeback. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2. They've scored twice Arsenal in the space of seven minutes.
1: Aston Villa 4, West Ham United 1. Villa's best start to a season for 25 years. Dallo goes for goal. What a goal. Diogo Dallo finds the top corner.
3: Magnificent hit from Diogo Dallo. An effort that Sir Bobby Charlton would be proud of himself.
1: Well, Chelsea were in cruise control. 2-0 up against Arsenal with just a handful of minutes left. And then what happened?
3: Sam, I told you before, it's fighting spirit, character, resilience. Because Luck. let's be fair, Arsenal just weren't at it. They're like really sloppy in possession. and giving the ball away very cheaply. I thought um, Pochettino got his tactics... Spot on, obviously, with Palmer and Gallagher as false nines or uh, like two number 10s. He had that block with fernandez and Caicedo, that little square in the middle of the pitch, which stopped the ball getting through into Odegaard and Zinchenko. But the impact has worked again for, Mick- for Mika- Mikael Arteta because um, uh, I think it's the sixth time that a substitute has scored for Arsenal coming on uh, in the Premier League this season, which has got them eight points which he always said about it's going to be a squad game and Trossard being the main protagonist because he's always had uh, an influence when he's come on and obviously getting the equalising goal.
1: Bearing in mind you're going for the title this year, Absolutely. aren't you a little bit embarrassed that you scraped a draw at Stamford Bridge where Chelsea have won just one of their last 12 home games?
3: No, because when you're not playing well, that's a sign that you can go on and win the title and it's the first time in two and a half years that Arsenal have come back from two goals down to actually get a point. So again, I see it as a positive. You might see it as negative. Well, although, I see it very negative. And I see you yeah. still. I see like it's a quite an uh, undefined human trait to take great mis- to take uh, pleasure at someone else's great misfortune. But I didn't see it like that. I saw it as a point gain because we were so far off it.
1: Someone who takes a lot of pleasure at other people's misfortune, Alex Crook. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of uh, David Ryer's performance?
2: I think uh, both goalkeepers um, probably looked at themselves in the mirror and thought, I didn't necessarily. Give my best there. Raya, for the second goal, which was a cross from Madrid, whatever, Pochettino, will lead us to believe, No, no, (laughs) no. You don't give the eyes from out on the wing, do you? (laughs) He was trying to pick out Sterling at the far post. The goalkeeper's starting position is poor. Always looks bad on a keeper when they're sort of backtracking towards their own net and the ball sails over their head. There was a touch of David Seaman from all those years ago about it. And then he nearly actually cost Arsenal the game because he passed it straight to Cole Palmer. Well, he should have done. I should have scored. Yeah. And if that goes in, it's game over. At the other end, Sanchez. I've got a little bit of sympathy because I was right behind the Chelsea dugout and a couple of minutes before his error leading to Declan Rice's goal, which he took really well, by the way, Rice, the goalkeeping coach, Tony Jimenez, quite a tall figure, stood up, gave him a real berating for kicking the ball long. He actually pointed where he wanted it on the left-hand side. He tried to do that, Sanchez, and he passed it straight to Declan Rice. So I do think it's an issue. You look at the the goal that Bournemouth conceded later on, the, the way that coaches and managers extra pressure on their goalkeepers and we're seeing more and more of that type of mistake. But that's the job now, right? So you have to accept that pressure. You
3: do, but there's individual responsibility because I'd rather get a rollicking from my coach, hitting it long and not costing a goal, than actually plan out when you don't think it's the right time to play out. And you talked about uh, Raya's uh, mistake, he's just chosen the wrong option. Because
2: he's tried to go. Is that because his head was frazzled for the goal he just conceded? Yeah,
3: I, I think he's tried to go um, to the left hand side where the pass is to Saliba on the right or into Ben White. And there's a, everybody keeps saying about how fantastic Raya is with the ball at his feet. I've said before, when you're playing for Brentford, there's a different pressure. Because if you make a mistake for Brentford, with all due respect, it doesn't become like national headlines and not everybody's talking about it. You do that for Arsenal where you're in the spotlight. You know where the pressure is and you've come in, in yeah and uh, the goalkeeper you've replaced hasn't made a mistake and probably didn't get deserved uh, deserve to get dropped then you're under even more pressure and against man city we was at the game against man city at the emirates when it went back to right there was a real nervousness not just on the pitch but around the emirates so he's got to uh, get himself through that D- little don't you think you're being a little spell. bit
1: short-sighted should you not be looking at uh, the waves. waves coming 200 meters in from the shore?
3: Yeah, I don't know, it, it, it's a, a little ripple that Arteta thinks is going to be turned into a tidal wave at the end of it, where he's looking into the future or he wants to go... I think Crookie did not hear before he thought it was going to be surfing, didn't he?
1: Like, it's like... Just in case you don't uh, know about this or you haven't heard about it, basically we asked Mikhail Arteta w- about David Rea's performance. And, and his he's kicking he's, in particular. And, and his, yeah, and, and how his kicking wasn't as good this season as it was when they first signed him. And he said, he said, he said, I don't look, I don't look at the shore. I look at the waves that develop in the middle of the sea and how they come into the, uh, come into the surface or something like that. It was, it was very Eric Cantona and seagulls seagulls trawlers. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it
2: was, it was a bit strange. He he didn't leave uh, the interview too many places to go after (laughs) that in fairness. (laughs) Um, Arsenal wanted a penalty
1: for uh, Sanchez clattering into Jesus. You think it is
2: a penalty? 100% don't
3: you? penalty. You, you keep saying, oh, he didn't punch him, but he cleaned him out. It was like WWE. Did he? He completely. I don't know if you've seen. Watch it again, Crookie. It's a he collision. Him
2: out. It's a collision.
3: No. Jesus is jumping up, Sanchez is coming out, and you, if that's the
1: centre half, jump, who it, clatters into so, the centre forward. Jesus is jumping up to challenge for the ball. Yes. Sanchez is it's coming, coming out to challenge the ball. Yeah. So the two of them meet together. There's no hands involved no, it's not meeting. Robert Sanchez. No, it's not meeting. So they collide.
3: is coming towards Jesus and he clatters him out of the way as no it's not chance a, of getting it's the ball. It's
1: not a nana, is it? No.
3: It's not far off. It's not far, it's a penalty. Well, it's about five foot off. It's a, it's a penalty. Well, it
1: and wasn't. you're still not having it. Um, Sorry,
3: no, it's subjective. In my opinion, it's a penalty.
1: It wasn't a penalty. (laughs) Um, And uh, what was a penalty was the handball, which... There's a load of discussion about, I mean, we can go into it again if you want, but it's probably pretty boring. I mean, under the law as it is, it probably is a handball, uh, whether the VAR should have got involved. It's a different conversation. Mark Halsey in one of the papers on Monday morning suggesting that he shouldn't have done. But really, unless you hear the audio from the referee, you can't make that co- comment because you have to know what the referee has or hasn't seen in order to realise whether it's a clear and obvious error. If the referee hasn't seen a handball at all, then... Chris Kavanagh has to be told, oh, oh, there actually was a handball there, do you want to check it out? He could have been so checking clear.
2: whose hand it hit as well, because obviously two players were jumping for the same ball. So you don't know whether or not there
1: should or should not have been a review unless you hear the audio, which is another advert, I suppose, for saying, let us hear
2: the well, audio. Perry did give us a very one-sided demonstration did, of yeah. how you can jump higher if yeah. you use your arms as opposed you, to down yeah. by your when side. When you
3: jump, you're taught from when you're um, a young girl or a young boy, you're taught when you, head, you raise your arms to give you leverage and then you use it for balance. Have you ever seen a high jumper just uh, go over the bar, like head first, without using their arms to get them up and over? Or a long jumper just run up and have his hands or her hands down by the side? Doesn't happen. So that's, it's they not an have, unnatural
1: they, position. They don't have to contend with handball, do they?
3: It's not, a, they probably know more about it than what we do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, as far as Arsenal are concerned though, Do you think the fact that they came back from 2-0 down Two goals and seven minutes to save themselves Shows that they are title contenders
2: Yeah, it, I agree with Perry It shows they've got character I think it shows the depth of the squad as well Trossard in particular is someone who I think Can have a real impact off the bench this season He probably won't want that responsibility Because he wants to be starting games Still worry about the number nine position I thought Jesus was quite poor Iketi has had a big chance actually to win it late on. If that's Erling Haaland, I'd suggest it's in the back of the net and Arsenal have got the three points.
1: Can I talk about Chelsea? Can we talk about Chelsea? Why not? Can we just say, I think it's probably the best performance of the season so far. I thought tactically Pochettino got it right. As you were saying, with the two tens, the two wide split strikers, I thought Cole Palmer has settled in fantastically. He's got edge. And he's got a, bit, like he's got a little bit of I really, really of him. like him. Was it, got... was it
3: Declan Rice where he's... Got booked from behind. Just it was that it's a bit
1: naughty. Yeah, but like you know, he's also had the balls to turn round to Raheem Sterling and said, "Mate, come off it. I'll take the penalties round here now." <laughs> and he, he scored both of them so far. He's taken a penalty when they really needed a goal at Burnley. He's taken a penalty. to put them in front in the London derby against Arsenal. I mean, that's, that's, that's a brilliant level of confidence.
2: I think the, the positive for Chelsea is that he's come here with a point to prove because he probably feels like he should have been getting more of a chance at Manchester City. Obviously, Pep made those comments where it's pretty clear that he planned to sell him. And I think that's probably added a bit of fuel to his fire.
1: And um, what about the Merseyside derby? Liverpool winning by two goals to nil. And Perry was talking about how Mikel Arteta never takes off um, Bikai Osaka because he's always got the ability to make something happen. Well, poor old Mo Salah, probably had his worst game for a long time in a Liverpool shirt during the course of the 90 minutes in that Merseyside derby. Bagged a brace and they won 2-0. And that's why Jurgen Klopp leaves him on.
3: Yeah, he does. I bet um, Sean Dyche hoped that he could have taken Craig Poulsen off on him. He was <laughs> <He's got>, like a <laughs> substitute, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, with uh, Mo Salah, I think that's uh, 105 goals that he scored at, at Anfield. Anfield. So that's uh, more than Kenny Dalglish, more than Steven Gerrard. So it just shows you how he, he is important, because we always said about the five forwards that Liverpool have, where they can rotate. He's one that, same as Arteta with Pakao Saka, that he's not going to rotate because, as you said there, he was quite quiet in the game itself. And then he scores a penalty, which is pressure in a Merseyside derby, and then he gets his little tap in at the end.
1: Um, controversy over the failure to send off Konate by Craig Pawson. I don't think there's any d- doubt about that. I mean, I think we've all seen the replays. We've all seen it. I think at the time I called it during commentary, it's a yellow card. He has to be sent off. Why has he not sent him off?
2: Anfield. Yeah. He's got to be. I, I think right? it's a factor. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're Everton, you're going to be fuming. First and foremost, it was the correct decision. I think to send after Young off. I'm surprised that someone with his level of experience, a big game experience made that second challenge, having already been booked. But if you're going to send him off for two yellow cards, you, you have to be consistent. Canate has to go as well. And just to add insult to injury, seconds later, Jurgen Klopp, knowing that they should be down to 10 men, takes him off so that he doesn't get the chance to well, get he's another not yellow card.
1: Jurgen Klopp, is he? I mean, he's going to... he well, you knew to me foul, He said the off. next thing he does, he's yeah. going to be off. So I've got to be really careful. And I had to drag him off. He knew they'd got away with one. It's actually disgraceful that that has allowed to happen. And there's no excuse for it. I can't think of any mitigating circumstances whatsoever as to why he hasn't been sent off for a second yellow card. And I asked Sean Dyche afterwards, are we in a situation where too many of these decisions are influencing the outcomes of big games? And he said to me, you never know what's going to happen in the circumstances. But it was nil-nil at that point, And there is a, as every chance that the game opens up and Everton end up getting something out of it i think
3: um as you said there everton looked quite comfortable you know he got uh, very well structured which he normally does they looked dangerous on the carrot attack with uh, calvert-lewin and Decore. And then you go down 10 men you're talking about the ashley young lights like off. that's because for the whole game i think diaz had ashley young's number you know when you can tell that uh like a fullback is just unnerved by some so that, that was panic well he is 52. Well, can,
1: can i ask you a question does the manager have a case to answer there? Because they've got Nathan Patterson on the bench and Nathan Patterson came onto the field of play. Why wasn't he selected ahead of Ashley Young? Ashley Young is 38 years and 90 days old. With all due respect, taking on Luis Diaz is not going to be the easiest deployment of your career. Well, I
3: think it seems like there's a bit of a trend in there because we'll talk about Brighton later on and James Milner's playing at right back. Is there some sort of and competition that we too. don't
1: know about, which is <laughs> can we find the, the oldest old right back? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think, in fairness, it's a Merseyside derby. I think the reason that Ashley Young is out there is because of that big game experience that I've talked about. But obviously, it completely backfired. And you've got Patterson, who's playing games for Scotland in pressure situations. So, yeah, I think maybe if Sean Dyche had his time again, the lineup might be... The different. other thing it's about Nathan Patterson... more like
3: Will Young, wasn't he? No, he'd go those occasions. Yeah, very quickly he's, he's, after
2: that yellow card, he thought,
1: I'd better leave right now. He certainly um, wasn't evergreen. <laughs> That's the only one you know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's got <laughs> Name 12 Name another Will Young song. I think I better leave right now. And we just gave you. No, one. you can stay. Actually, for
3: a change, you can stay here. That's what he says when we're doing the Charlotte on Sunday.
1: Um, the thing about Nathan Patterson is, is that he's played an old firm game. It's not like he's not used to big matches and intense atmospheres. He's done it before. He's a good defender, and he has a little bit more athleticism than Ashley Young. With all due respect, I thought that was a bit of a strange selection. Um, Liverpool. I think they're the best counter-attacking team in the league. They're deadly at those fast breaks. And actually prior to the sending off, and a lot of talk is about the sending off, they probably should have got themselves in front, Everton attacking at one end, and very quickly they turned defence into attack.
3: Yeah, that's what they, they they sort of, suck you onto them on purpose. They, they, If they don't win on the first press, the second, then they just drop off. Whereas before, there used to be intense pressure, didn't it? It was like the Gengar pressing, like one a go, two a go, three a go. They've just changed a little bit. And the midfield, they've added the legs so everybody knew. I think Jurgen Klopp wanted to give that team that got so close, didn't they, the season where they got into uh, all the finals and uh, come runners-up. To, yeah. to Man City. And we want to give those players the chance the next season, which was a mistake. So Sabozlai has like taken like a duck to water basically. He's been absolutely outstanding. I think people were surprised at his passing range, Saboslai. They knew he had the energy but they didn't realise he had that sort of vision as well. So McAllister probably playing a little bit deeper. He's playing okay, but there's still even more to come from McAllister. So again they've got different options there. Endo can play, can he as the hardened midfield player. So um you're yeah, in good shape. yeah, very much so. I said beginning of season, Liverpool, Man City, and Arsenal would be the three that would be challenging for the title.
1: Um, the handball, Michael Keane, that was the helping hand that Liverpool needed to make the breakthrough. Any
2: complaints about that? N- not under the current laws. Again, you you can you can debate if you agree with the law or not, but that is the law, and I think by the rule book, it was the um, correct call. Is there, is there any discussion about proximity
1: there? Because it came across quickly. What I couldn't understand was is the angle of his arm. His arm almost sort of came out like it was broken. I but know, was-
3: that is an unnatural position that's not because he's not you, jumping yeah exactly also but don't you think that michael king sometimes looks like a baby giraffe has always just been born trying to get his balance. he always looks to me like he's off balance and even that in that case if you look you go actually michael why have you got your arm out there because he's actually static and his arms come i think that's in the old laws that's handball
1: yeah um as a player how difficult is it to play against 10 men um Actually,
3: under George Graham, we used to do uh, a lot of uh, defense versus forwards, and we used to do it with eight men. So, like, go go nine, then down to eight, and then you get your two blocks of four. And if you get it structured properly, how many games you commentated on where you think, oh, they're not breaking this team down? Because if you get your distances right between your back four or your five or your three midfield players, but I always think the brave managers, they always leave sometimes one or or, or two up front, one off the front man, because you have to give the opposition that little bit of a worry that if you do break, then you're going to uh, you know cause some problems. So it is it is difficult to break. You thought and, uh,
2: taking off calvert Lewin was a mistake because, yeah, it, it, because it took away the that initiative. Threat. Exactly,
3: to yeah,
1: yeah. I think it, I mean it always ruins a game whenever you have have a team go down to 10 men because their emphasis changes they think right we don't have to get anything from this game now apart from a draw and if we can keep it tight then we're going to escape here with something that's fine by us and it actually ruins it as a spectacle which i think it did actually because it was quite a lively game up until i don't think that enough managers point. when
3: their team has got the one-man advantage take a defender off and go right i'm taking the defender off exactly i'm going i'm going four up front and
1: they did do in the last 20 minutes yeah. they took off the left back and played luis diaz out there and then played with almost like a three at three at the back, a lopsided three, and Diaz playing on the left hand side as an extra winger. That sort of worked for them and it opened Everton up a little bit because they need you need width in that situation. Yeah, and what you need and to, to do move the ball
3: quickly. Yeah, and you just need to create chaos in the 18 yard box. So if you're getting crosses in, you hoping that concentration level drop and you the quality players that have in the front areas, then you know you're going to take a chance. Just stick Darwin he can just chaos in years on. You
1: just get it in far post. He really does. Okay, uh, talking of chaos, let's talk about Manchester United.
0: Burrow.com acast. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at LabBrux.com 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and Cs apply.
1: For the first time this season, Manchester United have recorded back-to-back Premier League wins. Does that make you feel warm and fuzzy inside?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It was uh, it was a difficult listen on uh, on Saturday night, driving back from Chelsea, and not because of Dan's commentary. It, it just felt so frenetic and so uncomfortable. And everything is just so hard for Manchester United at this moment in time. We've got Copenhagen on Tuesday night. I'll be there, as you know in the past that would have been a straightforward Champions League win but nothing is is straightforward the the habit they've got into of of scoring an important goal and it felt like an important goal when McTominay once again came up with a big moment and they concede minutes later in ridiculous fashion giving away a a stonewall penalty and all of a sudden they've got to grind it out again they've missed chances I think Marcus Rashford in particular had a lot of opportunities to really put Sheffield United to the sword and they they didn't do that but back-to-back wins a little bit of spirit a little bit of character and we've not mentioned him yet, victory in tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton, I think was all important.
1: Yeah, and it was an emotional day. And I thought Harry Maguire in particular spoke brilliantly after the game. And, you know, he's not the captain anymore, but he still speaks like the leader of that, that group. And I thought he was excellent in the match. Maybe could have given away a penalty, but apart from that, his performance was almost faultless. And I think he's been very good since coming back into the team and his record says it all. If you look at his statistics over the course of the last year or so, he said it actually in an England press conference last week, my record is exemplary. It is. Um, they always seem to win when he is in the team and he never lets Manchester... Well, I know you pick out certain instances, but I don't think he ever lets Manchester United <laughs> down. So
3: Henry Guire May is May United's equivalent to Roderick at Man City. Because when Rod plays for Man City, they always win. The two? They always win, right? But Crookie, is a good player, Harry Maguire. Isn't
1: he? Are you I mean, gonna, are you've are been you a big fan. You've so? been a big fan of him. Do you his want to use that camera over
2: there to apologise? <laughs> <to? laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but I, I, I said me. it on Sunday, um, I think Maguire was probably just about United's best player and he, he has been for a few weeks now. So credit to him because it looked like his career at the club was over. He's got this renaissance now and he needs to grab it with both hands.
1: How worrying is it that Manchester United had to scrap for a victory against a team that have taken one point from nine games and are amongst the worst four teams that have ever played Premier League football statistically after nine games?
3: See Sam, that's where we're different. My glass is always half full. It's not half empty, and the reason being is, you said there scrap to beat Sheffield United before they weren't scrapping. Before yeah, there true. was no like spirit there was it was no fight. I so like, like the actually, fact that you
1: picked a positive out of that statement.
3: Yeah, because if I was a Manchester United fan, I want players like Scott mctominy and you said about Harry Maguire having a big heart, Johnny Evans, Johnny, and that's Harry Maguire looks better when he's got a better structure around him. So when he plays for England. That's why he always plays well for England, because Gareth Southgate has England structure better than what Man United have been. And Tarek Ten Hag is, Eric Ten Hag is fighting all of these different problems off the pitch. The culture at Man United, everybody knows has been rotten for probably three or four years on the playing side. So he's trying to inflict and uh, he's disciplined on this group of players. And I think not that the owners are going to get involved they don't want to pay him off anyway don't want to spend any money but they have to stick with Ten Hag because it's going to be rocky this little period of time but he's got to get rid of a few little bits of Deadwood um, and I I think that he's the the manager to take Manchester United forward
1: hold hold on he's had three transfer windows now. It's not like he hasn't had the opportunity to move people out. They've decided they haven't wanted to do that for whatever reason.
2: Well, they're not very good at that, are they? They're not good at offloading players. That's well, why the, the balance sheet correct. doesn't look great. Exactly. So I don't think that's a, a manager issue. I, I think I think he probably would have let Harry Maguire go, um, Had Maguire Which show would have more been desire a, would to do Which so. would have been a mistake. Well, you, you don't know who he would have replaced him with. You know, if, if they'd let him go, they would have signed somebody else. Well, he probably but, would have signed someone from the Erie Divisie, I would have thought.
3: And to be fair to Eric Ten Hag is Manchester United haven't had their first choice back four, of they? If you look at the back four that are playing at Sheffield United, they're not first choice they're players. They're still
2: finding their way. You know, Mason Mount on the bench, that will disappoint him. I think Hoyland, obviously, yet to score in the Premier League. That needs to change sooner rather you than concerned later. about that? Um, not overly, because he's getting himself in positions. It was a brilliant save from Fodringham to mm. deny him from close range. Really on another day, that finds the back of the net. So if he wasn't... If he wasn't getting himself into goal-scoring positions, I'd be concerned. But I do think the wide players can help. Rashford cuts inside every time and tries to go on his own. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, I don't yeah. know what Anthony is. I think actually, Hoyland could benefit from gennacho being given a run in the team. And I think gennacho deserves a run in the team. How
1: long have we been talking about this? How long have we talked about Anthony and he's not living up to expectation? How many times have we talked about the wide players needing to, to contribute more? Not only contribute more going forward, but contribute more defensively. I mean, Eric Ten Hag, I thought, was right when he said uh, afterwards, we need to be more composed in the moments after we've scored a goal. We need yeah. to make sure that we're a little bit more locked down and we're, we're organised. Um, I think I think he's working in difficult circumstances. I do think they gave him too much power during the summer. I do think they gave him too much of a licence to sign players that he already knew. There should be a better structure than that. But I also think that you've got to back this guy to get it right over time, because if you don't do that, you're starting to get in, you're in massive, massive trouble. And Manchester trouble. United
2: fans are backing him, by the way. Good. So. You know, Despite the you,
1: fact that in the international break, there was a little rumble I saw.
2: Hmm. I didn't see too much of that. Well, what, was that on deck
1: there, were they? <laughs> That's PJ and Duncan back in the day. Oh, it, oh sorry, PGA,
3: yeah. before, before they changed me. Close back. though. Yeah.
1: Um, no side with one point from nine games has ever survived in the Premier League. What were you going to do about Sheffield United?
3: Um, I, I think they're, they're doomed, I've got to say, because I just look at, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with the, the team spirit, obviously they've run uh, Spurs close, something away from home. Man City. Man City, uh, really close, um, but I just think, uh, I can't see where the goals are coming from, I know McBurney got his penalty, um, but I can't see where their goals are coming from and they're like trying to play decent football, but they just leave themselves far too open, you know, so um, they've become quite nice to play against. And whereas you look at the difference between them and Luton, where Luton, are really difficult and hard to play against, especially at Kenilworth Road. I, I think that uh, Sheffield United, they might even trouble Derby. What was Derby's lowest points? 11, 11 points, was it? Yeah, I think they might even
1: uh, not even get to 11. Are you concerned about the future of Paul Hiking Bottom?
2: I think so, because when managers keep losing games, ultimately they end up losing their job and I mentioned on the Sunday session I feel sorry for him because obviously they sold and right before the start of the season, they sold Sander Berger, yes they brought in… Oh, A no, uh, Sheffield United
1: fan got in touch with us and said you were uneducated when you said
2: they lost their yeah, two best players. I
3: think he was trying… I didn't to, mean about football, I just meant uneducated <laughs> in general.
2: I think he was trying to suggest the reasons behind their departures, i.e. that neither of them were particularly keen to sign a new contract. Well, actually. In the case of Njai, that wasn't true, was it? Because they had a new contract announcement lined up. Well, Njai
1: only went to Marseille because Marseille was his boyhood club. He grew up supporting them. That was a late development because they needed a striker. And I'd mentioned to you that they're on the lookout for a striker. Be careful because they're going to pinch someone last minute because the fans weren't satisfied. They needed to appease them. They wanted to bring someone in. They ended up swooping for someone who was attached to the club emotionally and he couldn't turn that down. It's like, you know, someone... Manchester United veterans ever came for you, you'd be there in a a, a half. It doesn't
2: change the fact they did lose their two best players right before the start of the season. They've brought in Cameron Archer, but he's not the finished article yet. They took a chance on Gustavo Harmer, actually I think looks right at home in the Premier League. But that was a gamble as well. They've also had a lot of injury issues, especially to that back line, which has caused them problems. I don't see the sacking hecking bottom is going to change anything,
1: but I think inevitably that will happen. Because if you lose too many games in the Premier League, that is the case. And also, I don't know if you saw the... The, uh, the, the owner on a podcast about three months ago, just talking about sort of the relationships that he's got with Chris, Wild for exa- Chris Wilder, for example. And I think that may well be a change that happens at some point in the future. We've already told you about that here on Premier League. All access, Manchester City beat Brighton by two goals to one on Saturday. Um, we're not, are we okay with goalkeepers switching? I know that Brighton have changed their goalkeeper quite a lot. You're not okay with it? not really no, you're not okay with no, the no because the you, two need number to, ones? you need
3: to get a relationship with if it's your back four or your free center halves you need to have that understanding
1: where okay. you don't have to second guess stuff so so how are you about pep guardiola resting edison did he rest him or, or rested him was he dropped as a result
2: of back-to-back defeats Rested him apparently
3: um on that side of it to be fair. When Man City are playing most opponents, their goalkeeper doesn't have that much to do anyway, does he? So you can bet your life that Edison will be back uh, this week, obviously, for the Champions League games. I'd be more concerned on the other side um, with uh, De and we talked about playing fullbacks at 52. Playing, playing James Milner uh, as right fullback back and not have any protection. I was going to say,
1: I don't actually think much of it was down to James Milner. I think it was to do with the fact that Low no protection. one bothered to get out there and help him out with Jeremy Doku, who is, you know, sprightly, brilliant, great at carrying the ball and has more tricks than a magician.
2: Is he a problem for Jack Grealish? Yes, in in terms terms of matter,
1: getting I've actually place got that back. written down. What does this mean for Jack Grealish?
3: There was a, a quote from Pep Guardiola in the paper today, actually saying that he wants to get Jack Grealish back to where he was before and they're going to work on him because he thinks his levels has just dropped a little bit, but they're going to, you know, work on him individually. But they're two different sorts. The thing with Docker, I think the reason that Guardiola brought Docker in is because he knew that teams sit very deep against Man City and he needs someone who's brilliant 1v1. Jack Grealish can do it, but he, again, comes inside most of the time and plays where Docker will go on the outside, he'll go on the inside. So he's like an old-fashioned yeah. winger. God, and yeah, he's lightning he
1: quick as well, Perry, isn't he?
3: But that's not necessarily over the 20th. He's lightning quick with the ball, from this, with the ball and I mean, over yeah. like five. He's, he's got explosive yeah. pace. And, and so I think um, poor old James Milner, brilliant player that he's been over, what, about 27 years, I think it is, isn't it? But he probably need to go and sit in an ice bath somewhere.
1: <laughs> edinger Ed, has got to get out there and help him out. And I thought that structurally that was a bit of an issue. Again, Brighton, getting into a situation where they find themselves 2-0 down very quickly inside 20 minutes. That's not the first time that's happened this season.
2: No, they've, they've made slow starts in a few games. I think they're, they're giving away too many chances and conceding too many goals, and you can't afford to do that. When you're taking on a wounded Manchester City team, we expected there could be a backlash from those back-to-back defeats, and indeed there was. So I, th- I think Brighton, having lost Caicedo, having lost McAllister, I think they're still finding their way... Does Irby still trying to find his best team? And obviously, they've got a huge game in the Europa League against Ajax in midweek. Ajax second from bottom in the Dutch League. So it's a massive opportunity for Brighton to really kickstart their European campaign. Yeah, when that, that was drawn out of the hat, you thought, oh, that's a tough group for them. But they've got... Ajax have been
1: useless. They lost at the weekend to Utrecht. Yeah. I mean, it's not More a... protest
2: from fans as well. Yeah,
1: it's not a great situ- situation they find themselves in. Where's their former manager, Eric Ten Hag? They need him back. Um, second Yellow for uh, Manuela Kanji means he misses the Manchester derby. Was it? Yes. 100%. You two are harsh.
3: Why, why don't you think it was? You don't I think he tried it, to... Not every contact,
1: not every foul is no, a yellow he, card. He actually,
3: he just got... Did he need to do it? He got too tight. He got far too tight. So don't go in that far. And then he's actually tried to Grab the is he already in the just let him go. Exactly. I suppose let the problem go.
1: is, is it was the, the definition of it is you're, you're upsetting at the promising attack, aren't you? You're, you're denying a promising attack, so maybe it was right. I just think, oh, give away, we, suspending players, we don't need to suspend players. We've got to be a bit careful about that. Okay. Uh, what about um, Newcastle versus Crystal Palace? Another victory for Newcastle. Did you know that they've scored more goals in the first nine games than they have done since 94-95?
3: Um, Jacob Murphy was absolutely outstanding. Like was a, his goal and a couple of assists as well. Yeah, I'm not sure um, he meant
2: the finish. He's trying to put that back into the area, isn't he? He didn't really? mean to finish. But Come on, Kieran, glass
3: half a, uh, half full.
2: Please, people. But Kieran Trippier, he's playing brilliantly.
3: He, he meant the layoff. The Most layoff assists in is, the
1: Premier League, Kieran Trippier. Yeah.
3: yeah. He, he again. He had a good article. He said that he, when he went to Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone, he said he learned actually how to play the right back role properly on the defensive side and that gives you more confidence obviously going forward and Sean Longstaff is another one I think we should give a mention as well because Newcastle's form a lot of their players have um, improved individually but when they were struggling he wasn't in the side and he brought him back into the midfield free and his uh, athleticism his drive going forward has sort of pulled Newcastle on with him and he started to score goals as well.
1: Um, you mentioned there about um, the, uh, the situation involving Newcastle and the, uh, Jacob Murphy and Kieran Trippier and Kieran Trippier learning the right full-back role properly at Atletico Madrid. It wasn't the only thing that he learned at Atletico Madrid, was it? He's learned to be a little bit nasty, to time waste, the dark arts, all those things that he's brought back from uh, time with D- Dirty Diego Simeone. Um, I was actually just looking at my piece of paper here and asking this question. Was Anthony Gordon's miss of the season or was that title going to go to Koliosho this weekend which one of them was the worst miss out of
2: the two? I probably would go for Gordon to be honest
1: yeah, I go. It was, it was outstanding, wasn't it? Yeah. How, how did
2: you miss from that sort of range? Yeah. Incredible. Luckily, luckily for Newcastle, it didn't cost them. Actually, Gordon played quite well apart from that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the statistics of this game, you'll see that... I mean, look, sometimes
1: people just look at the statistics and say, oh, it was more of an even game than just a 4-0. Crystal Palace had 17 shots. Well, they did. They had 15 of those in the second half of the game when it was already 3-0 to Newcastle. And Newcastle
2: so, had one eye on Dortmund, at the measure This, of this was
1: a very one-sided match. Murphy, Gordon, Longstaff, and Wilson all scoring. Um, Wilson's goal, a brilliant finish, I thought, as well. Just the way he shapes his body. You always know in a one-on-one situation... He's
2: not going to miss. He's never going to miss. But he's also, it's a
3: great ball from Jacob Murphy, from out on that right, right-hand side, just put it like, across the 18-yard box. And you talk about, you know, um, putting plays in and out. Eddie Howe's not it with... Um, I second with uh, Callum Wilson because both of them are playing to a real high standard. With,
1: with, with Callum Wilson as well, the way he bullied Mark Gurry I thought was impressive too. He, um, he, he showed a lot of strength, character, also sort of that nous and know-how that a forward needs in order to sort of get their body in the right place to outwit a central defender. You mentioned about Eddie Howe and
2: the good job that he is doing. I think he probably needs a little bit more credit, doesn't he? He does because I, I think a lot of people expected that this season might be difficult to emulate what they achieved last season, back in the Champions League, reached the Cup final, obviously drawn in that group of depth, but they've started really well in Europe. And actually, I think their European campaign, maybe grinding out that point away from home in Milan, has really given them the confidence to kick on. Defensively, they look a lot more resolute than they did maybe early in the season. And obviously, they had the Tenali situation, which has created a storm off the pitch. They dealt with that. Eddie Howe just the best man. If you've got if you've got a chaotic situation off the field like that, he just brings everyone together. He deals with it in a calm manner, and and they're going great guns. Uh, winners on Friday night against Werder Bremen.
1: At Borussia Dortmund are the next ones up to St James's Park Wednesday night. I'm doing that game for television. I cannot wait. The atmosphere will be all it. right, won't
3: it? You think? With the, the Dortmund atmosphere fans the PSG coming. Game
1: was off the charts, this one's going to be amazing. Uh, Dortmund are fourth in the, in the Bundesliga this season, behind Leverkusen, behind Bayern Munich. They, um, they, they've been okay. They drew nil nil in their game against Milan at home. I think, he, I think they've got a chance to put another three points on the board here.
3: Newcastle, absolutely, yeah. yeah, because as you said there, with the Geordie Faithful getting behind their team and creating that, was it 52,000 at St James's Park? Be interested to see what team he goes with because he's not adverse to having little changes. We mentioned Isaac and um, with Wilson. Uh, Almiron was on the bench, was it, at the weekend? Uh, Jacob Murphy was playing. Because if you're Jacob Murphy. You want to play, you, you want to yeah, start you'd this game. would be pretty upset if he was like,
1: pulled out for that one. Eight games unbeaten in no all competitions, Newcastle, 22 goals in, in that time, and, and not conceding. three. Exactly. Which is, yeah. you know. One of the things that was the bedrock of their success last season was making sure that they were secure at the back and they've done that really well. Whatever you do, though, don't ask Dan Byrne to take a throw-in. Don't ask (laughs) to take a
3: throw-in, but you just mentioned Dan Byrne there. Why doesn't he get a mention when they say about England haven't got got left left backs, natural left-sided? Because he can play left back in a four, which is proven if you're structured properly. He gives you another option if he wants to go three centre-halves, playing left-sided with his left foot, and it opens out that side of the pitch. And...
2: Sean Longstaff. Yeah, but they haven't, got, mentioned- they haven't got tracksuits that big. Is, is Gareth Southgate ageist when it comes to Dan Burns? I think he might be, tall- he might be
1: tallest. I think he's heightest, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The tallest. He doesn't like. he's too big, you know. <laughs> six <laughs> foot
2: seven in it from yeah, they, they
1: haven't made a, a tracksuit that big since Peter Crouch and, you know, it was difficult and it always seemed to come up on his arms. It didn't look right. Um, you know, so Jack got Giacomo,
3: can't Get it from Giacomo, be all right?
1: <laughs> Crookie, where should he get it from? Giacomo's good. To be yeah, there goes, go there to. you go. There you go. Other Champions League games this week live on the Talksport Network. Actually, Sevilla against Arsenal. Pressure. What are you hoping for? Pressure. Big
3: pressure They've game. Got to
1: get something, haven't they?
3: Well, because we're really good against PSV, which um, they were poor No they they poor, they but were that was probably Arsenal's best performance of the season. Really struggled against Lausanne. They where really struggled. Against they weren't the at it at all, where Declan Rice was probably the only one who played anywhere near to Stanley should have. So the, the doublehead against Sevilla is massive for uh, Mikel Arteta.
1: I'm doing the games Live on Talk Sports. At uh, 7 o'clock we start on Tuesday night. Join us for that. And In terms of the Champions League uh, with Arsenal, Sevilla have just got a 1-1 draw with Real Madrid in controversial circumstances at their home ground. Their team, who are desperate for points in La Liga because they have no great start to the season, have got a lot of ground to make up will be keen to make an impact, I think.
2: Absolutely. And, listen, no, no away game in the Champions League is easy. As you mentioned, they've put themselves under a little bit of pressure at Arsenal because of that defeat. It's a bit unfortunate, actually, with the way the draw works out. They've got to play back-to-back away to games. You, you know, if, if, if this was at the Emirates, as it will be, obviously, in a few weeks' time, you'd fancy Arsenal strongly. But I think if you offer Mikel Arteta a 1-0 win now, we'd probably take it.
1: Right, that's it from us. We're back on Thursday to preview all the weekend's action. Including next weekend, a huge Manchester derby. Do you want to go? No. Do you want to go? <laughs> Come really. with me. We're going to go. It'll be great fun. I promise you. You are going to
3: have your Man United shirt on? No.
1: Me? No, I haven't got a Man United shirt. I, mean, I thought you
3: had a half. I thought you had. Like, I you got could... a half.
1: A... Don't start. No. Don't start giving it, it. You, had just had you got half. lucky one weekend. Don't start. Right, OK, that's it from us. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Make sure you give us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcast. And remember, all the football is live on the TalkSport app.
0: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on TalkSport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+. plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Small details are big surfaces? Tight corners or odd shapes? Flat, rounded, textured or tall? Whatever your next project